This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Starting today, chapter 52. We have two more chapters before we conclude the first part of the Tanya. So last chapter, chapter 51, he started explaining the idea of the Shekhinah. What do we mean when we say that Hashem's Shekhinah, Hashem's presence, rests in a certain place? Hashem is everywhere. And he, to explain it, he used the analogy of the human body, of the human soul. From my flesh, I know God. We are the microcosm, and from our own personal experience, we can also understand and relate to Hashem. Because Hashem is the soul of the world. So just like the soul. The soul, you have the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul... The essence of the soul is not... You know, is above and beyond any of the details of the soul. There's so many details to the soul. So many abilities, so many different qualities, characteristics. But the essence of the soul is beyond that. Once the body makes contact with the soul, the body comes alive. All 100 trillion cells come alive. Equally. There's no difference in the brain, the toenail. Every part, every is alive. That's an analogy to the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem is equally found in the higher realms and the lower realms. There's absolutely no difference. Hashem permeates everything and is everywhere and is everything. There's no space empty of Hashem. And Hashem's essence is beyond revelation, is beyond being hidden, conceal, there's no concealment, there's no revelation. He's not revealed to the higher worlds and the lower worlds, uh, don't conceal him. He's everywhere. Just like the soul is everywhere, permeates every aspect of the body, every down to the last cell, the tiniest cell comes alive, and it's alive through the soul. So too, Hashem's essence is found everywhere, but just like we don't grasp the essence of the soul, it's beyond details, it's beyond, it's just, it's essence, and it therefore it permeates everything, but we don't grasp it, so too Hashem's essence remains totally beyond any distinction of higher and lower and greater and smaller and infinite and finite. Hashem remains completely beyond, and He permeates and is present everywhere. And then you have, on the most external level, where the soul expresses itself. The soul has the ability to comprehend. The soul has the ability to feel. The soul has the ability to see and to hear and to smell and to taste and to touch. All the abilities of the soul. 
and every ability fits like a hand in a glove. It fits into the organ and it animates the organ. The brain has the ability to comprehend and, and the three different brains, three different abilities of the mind. And then you have the heart has the ability to feel, to respond, to love, to be attracted to, to be repulsed by it, to feel compassion toward. Every organ is filled with a particular energy, a particular ability. Now, in chapter 52, he's going to discuss that there is an intermediary between the essence of the soul, which the essence is beyond any details. And it's just its being. And it's beyond even, even, it's not even about giving life. It just is. And that permeates everything that comes from the soul. It's really, all there is is, all comes from this point. And then you have in the other extreme, when the soul already manifests itself in great detail, very particularly to each organ, according to its ability. But then you have an intermediary. Intermediary level is where the soul first manifests itself in the brain. In addition to the brain being a particular organ, the most refined organ, ability to imagine, the ability to think, the ability to comprehend. But more so, the brain is also the central station. It's like the command and control center of the whole body. This is, this is, the, this is the engine room. This is, where, this is where it all comes from. This is where the soul initially resides. So the whole soul, all the abilities of the soul are first concentrated in the brain, are found in the brain, are concentrated in the brain as a whole. It's one soul. And this one soul contains the ability, all the abilities together are concentrated together. Because all, all of these abilities are really part of one soul. The soul is not a building block of Legos of different parts. The soul is not a machine. The soul is alive. The soul is one entity, one undivisible entity. That's how we sense ourselves. That's how we experience ourselves from the inside out. We're one entity. We don't feel that we're components, that we're a collection of a bag of bones and, and blood and, and abilities, a nice collection. We're one entity. The soul is one entity, one dynamic, vibrant entity. And the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. But first, the soul manifests itself as a whole. This whole, where the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. A general sense of life. A general sense where all of the abilities and faculties are concentrated together. And then, from there, from the brain, the soul then flows into each individual organ according to its ability. But there is this central point where the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. Where there's a sense that it's not this detail, that detail, they're just different expressions of one single whole, of one single entity. They're part of something larger than themselves. Because this one soul, the same soul, has the ability to think and to see and to smell and to hear and to... It's all coming from one place. There's one. Not a hundred trillion. There's only one. The essence of the soul. There are no differentiations. There's no up, there's no down. There's 
it's equally found, equally present in every part, every aspect. But, but it cannot be grasped. But then you have when the soul begins to manifest itself into details. But first, before the soul manifests into the details, first it manifests itself as a chunk of life, as a general, as a general sense. And then it flows from there, all the details flows from there. From this like, from like, like the general, uh, general station, from the uh, central station. From there it flows each individual organ. But first it manifests itself as a whole. And where does it manifest itself as a whole? In the brain. And that's what he's going to discuss in this chapter. In the previous chapter, the Alter Rebbe began to expound upon the theme of the indwelling of the Shekinah, which resided in the Holy of Holies and likewise in other places. He asked, is not the whole world filled with his glory? Since there is no place void of him, what do we mean when we say that Hashem chose a specific place for the Shekhinah to rest? He explained this according to the text. From my flesh I see Hashem. Using the analogy of a soul which pervades all the 248 organs of the body, yet its principal habitation is in the brain. This cannot said to apply to the soul's essence for that is found equally in all 248 organs, from the highest, the brain, to the lowest, the feet. Rather, this refers to the general flow of the soul's vitality into the body and its revelation. Therefore, it is diffused and drawn down into all the bodily organs, each according to its particular capacity. Concerning this general aspect, we say that, it is, that its principal province and indwelling is in the brain. From there, a mere glimmer of this vitality is drawn down and revealed in the other bodily organs. The soul is a piece of life. Vitality. Life. But that's not really the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul is not about giving life. The essence of the soul is independent. It, it has nothing to do with life. It just is. It's beyond life. It's one of the things that happens when you come in contact with the soul. You come alive. So when God, it's not the sole purpose. The soul exists before you before you're born. The soul exists after you're born. If it doesn't give life, it doesn't give life. It doesn't change the essence of the soul. But when God miraculously combines the body and the soul, the body comes alive. The soul gives vitality to the body. It's not a machine. It's not electricity that we already established in the last chapter. It's not like electricity that flows through the body. The body comes alive. It gives vitality to, bestows vitality on the body. The body is alive. The body becomes inseparable with the soul. If you cut a machine, it doesn't hurt the electricity. You cut your finger, your soul feels it. Now, but it's not only your whole soul becomes connected with the body. Once God connects the body and soul, soul with the body, it's not interchangeable. The soul can't take a break and say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me take a walk. I'm going to go somewhere else. Let me try a different body on for size. <laughs> you know, the soul remains with this body for life. And the whole soul, even the essence of the soul, is in that body. But the essence of the soul remains completely elusive. What do we know of the soul? We know of the soul, the vitality, the life. 
But that's not the essence of the soul. But that's the essence of what we get from the soul. That's the part of the soul that gives us life and gives us vitality. But that begins with a more general vitality. First it starts out with a more general vitality where everything is encapsulated, everything is concentrated in one general sense, in one general whole. That's how it starts. Not just a collection of details. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's dynamic. It's a vibrant, dynamic whole. There's one entity. It's one. It's not a collection. It's one entity. And from that one entity flows all the details. The details are an expression of that one entity. A tree can have many parts. There's the roots, and there's the bark, and there's the trunk, and there's the leaves. And there's the... But there's one entity. And that one dynamic life expresses itself in the roots and in the tree and the bark and the trunk and every aspect and all the array of details. And the same thing is with the person. There's one entity, there's one dynamic, vibrant whole that's all concentrated together. And from this whole flows all the details. But it's a, it's a much more general sense. It's more than there is a whole... For example, every potential is a whole in comparison to the actual. You have a potential to write. I have a potential to write many things. And I'm writing one thing. So there's a potential for many, many things. And then you have the details that comes out of it. So that's the, the potential. And here you have the actual. But here we're saying that all the potential of the soul are all part of one. The potential to write, the potential to think, and the potential to see, and the potential to hear, oh, and to love, and to feel, and to comprehend. All of these particulars, all these particular potentials are really part of one dynamic, vibrant whole. And they're all interrelated and interconnected. There's only one entity, one dynamic entity. And the details flow from that. The details are an expression of that single entity. It's, it's alive. It's alive. And that life is something that's from within. And when it's within, it's not mechanical, it's not external. It's something within, it's something internal, dynamic, vibrant, that's alive. And this life is one entity that's alive that, can, that expresses itself, expresses itself, its singular self, in all these particular details. The same soul expresses itself through comprehension and through feeling and through seeing and through hearing and through tasting and touching. So all of these different are just different expressions of one single dynamic entity. Who senses this single dynamic entity? Who senses the soul as a single dynamic entity? Where is this manifest? In the brain. The brain is where the whole soul is concentrated. The whole vitality that flows, that eventually flows from the soul and animates every particular organ, it all flows from the central sense, the central, grand central station, from the brain. Which is why it's the nerve center of the whole body. It's the command and control center of the whole body. And it controls the whole body. And it runs the whole body. And it coordinates the whole body. Because that's, that's the, the sense of this vitality, the singular sense of vitality. That's what he calls the essence the essence of vitality, not the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul is even beyond giving life, it's beyond giving vitality. It's not what the soul is about. And that essence is found equal in every part of the body. The soul is there, the soul is trapped in the body. The essence of the soul is trapped in the body. It's not taking a walk anywhere, it's right there. And that's found equally or pervasive in every part of the body, but that's a part we don't sense. What we do sense, 
is the vitality and the life. We're alive. We feel the energy. That part that we sense, this is the beginning of the manifestation of the soul. That's what he calls the Shechina. That's an analogy to help us understand the Shechina. This is a, uh, an analogy to help us understand what's true with us personally. In the microcosm, is also true in the macrocosm with Hashem. The way Hashem gives life to the world. So he started explaining in the previous chapter. You have the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem, there's no, there's no higher, there's no lower, there's no revelation, there's no concealment. The essence of Hashem permeates and pervades every aspect of creation from highest to the lowest. Hashem is everywhere. There's no concealment, there's no hide. It's beyond our grasp. Then you have where Hashem manifests Himself by particularly giving every individual entity its own unique characteristic, its own unique characteristic trait, its own unique ability, its own unique energy. But then you have, just like in the human being, you have the intermediary. Intermediary is where you have the essence of this vitality that flows from Hashem, where it's all concentrated, where all of the details are concentrated in one, as one. And there's a sense of oneness, a sense of whole, that all the details flow from that one singular, one entity. And they're all different expressions of Hashem. Every entity expresses Hashem in its own unique way, but they're expressing the same thing. Just like in the human body. Every organ is so unique, it's so different. But yet, it's expressing the one life, the one life force. There's so many variety of ways of expressing that single life force. So too, there's one dynamic life force, which is Hashem. The way Hashem manifests Himself and reveals that life force, reveals that energy. And all of these myriads of details and multiplicity of beings and this infinite amount of variety of beings in existence, higher, lower, and within each realm, such a multitude of entities, all of this is really an expression of one. And that's the idea of Shechina. Shechina is the first manifestation of Hashem, where everything is concentrated together, and the sense that the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts, it's really all part of one, it's part of Hashem's light, Hashem's energy, and it's all expressions of Hashem. Instead of viewing each entity as separate, and disconnected, the sense of the Shrina, the sense of the brain, is that it's all one. That's what this brain senses. The first manifestation of the soul, that it's one, it's one soul, it's one energy. And all the abilities are concentrated together, because it's all one, it's all coming, flowing from one dynamic entity. This vitality. So the beginning of the manifestation of this vitality is in the brain. And that's an analogy to the Shechina. The first manifestation of Hashem, Hashem's vitality and Hashem's energy to the world, and to the creatures of the world, and to the souls that are created, all come from, this is the Shechina, this is the Shechina, where Hashem's energy is, is manifest and as one. That's also the idea of holiness. Shechina is holy. Hashem's present. When Hashem is present, there's holiness. Because when Hashem is not present, when you don't sense Hashem's presence, 
when it's not manifest, this world looks to be completely fragmented and divided. And you have a multiplicity. You have multiculturalism, a multi... There's a multitude. And there's no connection. It's fragmented. But when God's presence is manifest, then you have holiness. Because you realize that it's only one. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. Everything is interrelated. Everything is interconnected. There's only one. All this multiplicity of existence is just an infinite variety of ways of expressing a different aspect of Hashem. But it's the same Hashem. It's the same reality. There's only one reality. Everything in this world is just a marshal, a parable for Hashem, bringing out another aspect, another dimension, another facet of Hashem. But it's really all Hashem. And that's the Shekhinah. That's the presence of Hashem. That's the presence of holiness. But it's the manifestation of holiness. Where Hashem reveals Himself. Where all the energies of the world are concentrated. Not the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem can't be manifest. The essence of Hashem remains completely beyond manifestation. We can't grasp it. The essence of Hashem can't be hidden either, but it can't be manifest either. It's completely beyond hiding, manifestation, revealing. It's it's the essence of Hashem. It's totally beyond our grasp. Hashem is here, Hashem is here, there, Hashem is everywhere. But the beginning of manifestation, the beginning when you can sense the dynamic, the vibrant, divine energy, this is the Shekhinah where it's all concentrated, like in the brain, where the energy is first manifest, the vitality, the life, the dynamic life force of the soul is first manifest and reveals, and the brain senses it, and senses the whole. That concentration, this is the Shekhinah. That's the analogy to the Shekhinah. Concerning this general aspect, we say that its principal province and indwelling is in the brain. From there, a mere glimmer of this vitality is drawn down and revealed in the other bodily organs. It says a mere glimmer because if the whole would manifest itself, it would just be overwhelming. It's like you had the whole ocean running through your faucet. (laughs) You have to reduce the ocean to a drop. Otherwise, it would just overwhelm. Or if you had, had, you know, when they send the distributed electricity to your socket, so they have a, um, an interval, interlay station, because to reduce the electricity, otherwise you would get the shock. You get this huge amount of... So the soul, the first manifestation of the soul, is so powerful. If it was revealed as is into your organ, it would, the organ would be completely overwhelmed. It would shut down. It would be too much, too much light, too much energy. couldn't handle it. So only a glimmer of a ray from this powerful energy is then drawn from this dynamic, vibrant hole into this particular organ. Isn't that exactly what happened at Mount Sinai? They were overwhelmed, right? And that's why, that's why it says they saw what they heard and they heard what they saw. There's an illness found in one, one in a million, one in ten million people. Synesthesia, yeah. where, where people see sounds because there's something wrong in the wiring. Because the soul, the source of hearing and seeing is in the soul. In the soul, it's all one. There's no organs in the soul. The soul is not compartmentalized. There are no components. 
the soul is one dynamic entity. So it's the same soul, seeing and hearing are one and inseparable. It's only when the soul becomes manifest into the individual organs that you see, and you, you see with your eyes, and you hear with your ears. But what happened at Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai touched the, their essence of their soul. When you touch the essence of the soul, how the soul includes all of these forces, and all of these are all included in the soul then all these distinctions fall by the way. So then you can, with your eyes, you can hear. And you can see with your ears. <laughs> you know, all the, all the lines got crossed because it touched the essence of their soul. You know, we have a subconscious, we have a whole reality within us that we're completely unaware of. The part that's manifest, the part within us that we feel and sense, the energy that we can sense and feel, is the most superficial part of us. There's a whole world within us that we don't see, we don't sense. Just like the ocean. The ocean covers how much percent of the world is the, world is the ocean? 70%? I was going to say 78%. But by bulk, if you look at the bulk, 95% of the world is water. Because it goes under the land. Also. Because, right, it goes, it goes under the land also, the ocean also, yeah. 95 of bulk, right? The depth of the ocean. So the land represents the conscious, what manifests, what we sense, what, what's revealed. It's a tiny fraction of who we are. We eat. We ate today. We have any clue what happens, how it digests, what happens. It's so infinitely complex, we are clueless. We can go through our whole lifetime and, <laughs> and we don't have a clue. The body just regulates itself, takes care of itself, does a million things simultaneously. It's beyond our comprehension, it's beyond, there's no computer on earth that can begin to compute the infinite complexity of what happens in the body in one split second simultaneously. So the part that's revealed to us, the part that we sense, the consciousness that we're conscious of, is, is, is the tip of the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole reality, vast reality. It's beyond our consciousness, like the water is submerged. But we're affected by it. Totally. That's that primary event, but we don't sense it. So th those are what we call hidden abilities. We have hidden abilities. The subconscious. You have a hidden ability. You can figure things out. And that, that, that's where your eureka comes from, your eureka moments, your brilliant ideas, your dazzling flashes of insight. Seemingly out of nowhere. Where does it come from? It's not out of nowhere. It comes from your subconscious. You have an ability, a hidden ability, that you're not even aware of, that, that can figure things out. And from there, it communicates to your conscious. It transmits to your conscious. So these are hidden abilities. Then you have, but even the subconscious is already related to the consciousness. Because while you're thinking on a conscious level, your subconscious is, is thinking on a subconscious level. But then you have even deeper than that. You have the, the soul contains within it the ability to comprehend, which is even deeper than that. That's why when a person really cares about something very, very... If your life is on the line or something you care deeply about, you'll come up with Einstein level of, of concepts, of understanding. You'll surprise Einstein. Einstein will have to break his head to, <laughs> to understand what you come up with. Because when, when your life is on the line, when you care about something so deeply, there were people who were born with heads of stone, but they loved to learn so much, and they cared so much about their learning, that they, they, they turned into geniuses. 
because they tapped into the, the soul, the essence of the soul, the soul's ability, the soul has the potential, the soul has the ability, the soul contains within it the ability to comprehend. And the soul is perfect. And its ability to comprehend is also perfect. So, so there's a whole world within us that's totally hidden and beyond our consciousness. And that, that ability is beyond, way beyond the ability that's manifest, that we can see, that, we can, that, that we're conscious of. So there's a whole, whole other reality. So the soul, but the beginning of the manifestation of the soul, beginning of the revelation of the soul, from its hidden state, is in the brain. And it's in, in a way where all the conscious part, the part that ultimately is manifest, is all concentrated as one. That's what he refers to as the essence. Not really the essence of the essence of the essence of the soul. But the essence of the manifestation, the essence of the revelation of the soul. The beginning of the soul beginning to vitalize the body and become revealed in the body and become conscious in the body. This beginning of consciousness is in a form of total concentration where everything is concentrated as one. Who senses that? The brain. So that's the beginning of consciousness. It's the first spark of consciousness. That sense of the whole. And from the whole, then it flows, a glimmer of a ray, it flows into the particulars, into each individual organ, according to its ability and according to what it could, it could absorb and it could receive, not more, not less. So the brain that has the most refined organ receives the most highest faculty of the soul, which is the ability to imagine and to comprehend and to concentrate. And then the heart, the ability to feel and emotion, etc., every organ of the body. The same is true, the Alter Rebbe explains, in the analogy of godliness in the world. The core and essence of the Ein Sof is the same in the higher and lower worlds. He is concealed from them all equally, for even in the higher worlds no thought can apprehend him at all. At the same time, he is equally to be found both in the higher and lower worlds. The difference between the higher and lower worlds, as in the analogy of the bodily organs, subsists only with regard to the stream of vitality which flows and is revealed from the Ein Sof. In order to create and vitalize the worlds and their creatures, concerning this level of revelation we say that, it, that in the higher worlds godliness is revealed to a greater degree, and in the lower world, to a lesser degree. In the present chapter, the Alter Rebbe goes on to further explain how the analogy of godliness and its place in the world relates to the analogy in which the individual's vitality in its undiffused state resides in the brain. And just as in the human soul, the principal manifestation of the undiffused vitality is in the brain, while all the organs receive merely a light and potency which radiates to them from the source of the manifestation of the said vitality in the brain. So indeed, figuratively speaking, is the essential manifestation of the general stream of vitality animating the worlds and the creatures therein, clothed and contained in his blessed will, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, which are called the intelligence. The Sephirot of Keser, Bachma, Bina, and Das 
as they exist above are collectively called intelligence. Within them is enclosed the stream of undiffused vitality, which is the first revelation of the Ein Sof in the world. So usually will is beyond intelligence. But there are different levels of will. There's a will, I want to do something. It relates to something practical. And that's the will that he's referring to here. Like the will for Torah mitzvot. So the will relates to something very practical. Do the mitzvah this way and not that way. In order to draw down the godly energy, it's only if you do the mitzvah exactly as God wants you to do it. The right measurement, not more, not less. So he's talking about the will. He's not talking about the essence of the will, which is really transcends intellect, is beyond intellect. He's talking about the will as the will spells out what you like to do, what you want to do, how you want to do it. So that's already a will that's connected with the brain. It's connected with comprehension, understanding. So this is what he refers to. This is like the brain. So just like the soul. The beginning of the manifestation of the soul begins in the brain. So too, the beginning of the manifestation of the divine energy that's diffused and creates everything that exists begins in the brain, in God's brain. What, what is God's brain? That is the will and the wisdom of Torah and mitzvah. So this is where the divine energy is concentrated. And this is where the divine energy first manifests. And this is the sense of the whole that's greater than the sum total of its parts. This is where you sense that it's all one singular entity. And that all the details are just expressions of that one single entity. So he's going to explain that the, the brain, the brain of every world, that's the Torah mitzvot. That's the, that's the manifestation, that's the concentration of the energy of that world. The Torah. The Torah of that world, that's the concentration of the energy of that world. And that it's in the Torah where God's presence is manifest. The Shekhinah is manifest. We sense that, that sense of holiness, the divine energy, the whole, the dynamic whole. And that's where you sense that all the details, everything that flows, everything that flows from this whole, it's all part of one. It's all interrelated, interconnected. And that's the Torah and that's the mitzvah. The mitzvah, Torah and mitzvah are the revelation the divine energy, the revelation of Hashem, the unity of Hashem, how really everything is really all one and all connected and it's really all interrelated and interconnected. There's only one reality, there's only one entity. It's in the Torah mitzvah that reveals to us that what appears to be a world of multiplicity, a world of multiplicity, a world of diversity, a world of... And yet, it's really all one. It's all really all part of the same. Every aspect of this world is just revealing another aspect of Hashem, of that, of that divine energy, that whole. So we're not talking about the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem is totally beyond. Just like the essence of the soul is beyond the manifestation of the soul, even in a general sense. Because as great as, great as that level of the soul is, that's not the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul is totally beyond that. 
so too, even this level of Shechina, we talk about Hashem's manifestation, concentration, all the energy is concentrated, there's one, and the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts, and there's really only one entity, and everything that flows from this divine concentration is really all, is all one, all part of one. But the truth is Hashem is even beyond that. Hashem's essence is totally beyond. Hashem, the greatest and the smallest, the greatest manifestation and the smallest, all the same. Even this concentrated energy, divine energy, Hashem, it's all, it's all, it's like a million, it's not one iota closer to infinity than one. A billion, a zillion. There's no relationship. Hashem is beyond. But we're talking about the beginning of the manifestation of Hashem, the beginning of the revealed manifestation of Hashem, where Hashem infuses the world and every entity with, with being and with, uh, with, with life force, with vitality, its own unique personality and character. Where does this all come from? The beginning of the manifestation is in a concentrated form. That's the Shekhinah. That's the brain. What's the brain? What's the mind? What's the brain? The divine brain, the divine mind? The Torah. That's the divine mind. So the Torah is so central to the world. Just like the brain. The brain is not just one detail, an important detail, one organ, an important organ. The brain is the grand central station, it's the command and control center, it's the manifestation of the soul, it's the link between the essence of the soul and the eventual manifestations of all the details of the soul. It all comes from the brain. That's its life force. That's why all the organs are connected to the brain. They receive their life force from the brain. They receive their instructions from the brain. They're alive because they're connected to the brain. And the brain senses every organ. And it coordinates all the organs. And it gives guidance to each individual organ. And it coordinates this organ with all the other organs. And it coordinates all parts of the all body, all, all, every single part of the organism. So this is the brain. The brain, which is the Shechina, where the Shechina is manifest, is Torah Mitzvot. This is where Hashem is manifest. This is where Hashem's energy is concentrated. This is where Hashem's energy is manifest. And from there flows all the details. He's bringing out this, this centrality of Torah Mitzvot. Torah mitzvah, this is the source of all life. This is where the divine energy, this is from where the divine energy flows. This is what sustains the world. This is where the whole world is concentrated in the Torah. And these, the will, Chachma, Bina, and Das, are clothed in the, in the Torah and its mitzvah. This is their abode. For Torah law and the mitzvah, are themselves the will of Hashem, desiring as He does that the law in a particular case should be specifically one way and not the other, and that a particular mitzvah be performed in a certain manner and not otherwise. Understanding the laws and knowing the reasons for the mitzvahs, this belongs to the divine levels of Chachma and Bina. Thus, within Torah and the mitzvahs is enclosed the intelligence 
of above, and it is to be found the undiffused stream of vitality that descends into the worlds. The manifestation of this general flow of life, which is similar to the undiffused stream of vitality found in the brain, takes place, as the Alta Revolution said, when the flow from intelligence descends into the sephira of Malchus. This manifestation is the source of the vitality which the worlds receive, each one in particular receiving but a diffused glow that shines forth from this source. This refers not to the general stream of vitality found in intelligence, but to its revelation. This revelation is the source of the vitality received by all worlds and their creatures, each according to its particular level. The diffused glow that shines forth is in a similar manner to the light that radiates from the sun. By way of example, where the rays are but a diffused glimmer of the sun's essence, or as the faculties of the organs of the body derive from the brain, as discussed above in the previous chapter. Just like the sun. You have the light of the sun when it's within the sun. Obviously, you can't give what you don't have. If the sun gives off light, the sun has light. But you can't find the light in the sun. In the light, when the light is in the sun, you can't even find it. You don't notice it. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't add anything. It's only when the light leaves the sun that now the light suddenly becomes an entity. The light gives off light and gives off heat. The light <coughs> is something. It's connected to the sun. It's attached to the sun. It flows from the sun. But it's an entity that you notice. It's manifest. It's revealed. It does something. While the light, when the same light is within the sun, it does absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. You can't even find it. It's there, but you can't even find it because it means nothing. It doesn't add anything to the sun. Outside the sun, it adds. It gives light. It gives heat. It gives a lot of things. The same is with the, the faculties of the soul. When the faculties of the soul are within the soul, you can't even find it. That's not what the soul is about. The essence of the soul is beyond all these individual faculties. The essence of the soul is beyond comprehension and feeling. and It's totally beyond it. So the soul contains all of it. The soul has all these potential. But all you have is the soul. Can't even find it there. It's when it flows outside, when it flows from the soul into the body. That's when suddenly you notice it. Now you have you grasp it. You grasp the ability to comprehend. You grasp the ability, the heart grasps the soul, the ability to feel. Now it becomes, you can name it, it's an entity, it's differentiated, it has its own unique. Uh, characteristics but it's only after it when it flows from this general and then suddenly it assumes it takes on um, its own name and its own its own its own unique abilities so but what's the source the source of this all 
is manifest in the brain. When it's manifest in the brain, it's all concentrated together. It's only when it leaves the source, from the source, from the brain, then it flows into every organ. That's when it comes alive as its own individual ability, unique ability. It is this source, this source being a revelation from the general stream of vitality found within intelligence, which is called in the Kabbalah the world of manifestation. Because, as the Alter Rebus will soon say, it is here that godliness first becomes manifest in the world. And it is also called Matrinita, an Aramaic for queen, for the queen receives her vitality from Kuchabrihu, Aramaic for the Holy One, blessed be he, the king. And it is also known as the nether mother, the lower level of mother. For Bina too is known as mother, as the verse says, allude to Bina as mother. Bina, however, is the higher level of mother, while Malchus is the nether mother, and is called the Shekhinah, from the scriptural phrase, and I will dwell among them. For its Hebrew root means to dwell and be revealed. As the Rebbe Shlita explains, the Alter Rebbe now goes on to explain the meaning and character of each of the above listed names, as well as their particular effect. So he gives four different names here. Four different names for the Shechina. Alma de Vizgalia, a world of revelation. Queen, mother, and Shechina, for dwelling, for revealing. So like everything else in Hebrew, every name is unique. It's not just four redundant names naming the same thing. Every name describes a different quality, a different manifestation, a different part of the process of Hashem revealing Himself and infusing the world with vitality, and infusing every individual entity with a unique energy and vitality. So this is a process, a four-stage process. And each stage is called by a different name. The first level is called Alma Dizgalia, the world of revelation. The next stage, the next level, the next part of the process is called Queen. The third process, third part of the process is called Mother, Lower Mother. And the fourth part of the process is called Shechina. And now he's going to explain. In detail. The above-mentioned source is called the world of manifestation. For this source is the beginning of the revelation of the light of Ein Sof. And since the source itself constitutes a revelation, it is itself known as the world of manifestation. Because of its own nature and not because it vitalizes the revealed world. The first level is manifestation. But this is not a manifestation to those who receive on the receiving end. It's a manifestation for the soul itself. Just like when the soul, when the soul is to animate the body, the first stage is the soul manifests its vitality as one dynamic whole entity in the brain. It hasn't yet been diffused, it hasn't yet spread out to the organs of the body. But for itself, the soul is about to reveal itself and manifest itself on a conscious level to the body. 
So the first level of consciousness, the first level of revelation for the soul is in a concentrated form. Where the whole, the, the soul, all of that energy that's eventually going ma- uh, to animate every part of the body is manifest as a powerful whole, as one whole, one entity, one dynamic, vibrant entity that contains within it all these different parts. But it's really all part of one. So that's the beginning of the manifestation, but that's for the soul itself. It hasn't yet reached into the individual organs. It hasn't yet reached to the conscious level. But for the soul, it's the beginning of the manifestation. Because the essence of the soul is beyond that. The essence of the soul is not about giving vitality. It's not about giving life. The soul is, 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 is. It's beyond giving life. It has nothing to do with giving life. The soul exists before you were born, exists after you die. The soul is. The soul is. That's not the essence of the soul to give life. But the beginning of the revelation of the soul is the beginning of the soul making contact with the body of the soul, giving life to the body on a conscious level, giving energy and vitality and life and individual life. So the beginning is when the soul manifests itself in a concentrated form. So that's what he calls the world of revelation. It's beyond, it's beyond what could be received. It's for the soul itself. The soul is lowering itself into the level where it becomes a life force. Where it becomes, uh, where it gives vitality and life. But the first manifestation is in a concentrated form, in a very powerful form. That the individual organs cannot receive yet. And only the brain has the ability to sense this, have a sense of this whole. So that's the first level. Okay, next level. It's called Queen because it is the level which extends to and illumines the worlds in a revealed manner, similar to a queen, for, for through her the wishes of the king are revealed. Thus the source of life, the first revelation of the light of Ein Sof, is first manifest in the queen. The queen is who carries out the wishes of the king. <laughs> I'll have to tell the queen when I speak with her. Well, if you treat her like a queen, she, you'll be the king. <laughs> her concern is to fulfill the wishes of her husband, of the king. To make sure that the king's wishes are fulfilled. So yes, it's the beginning of the carrying out of the king's wishes. It's the beginning of this powerful, concentrated energy beginning to make its way, to beginning to be implemented and fulfilled, beginning to start to make its way towards every organ. That's the next level. And the third level is... From this source there extends to each individual thing world or creature, the particular light and vitality suitable for it, for which reason it is called the mother, the nether mother, for it is the mother and, and sources of the particular form of vitality of each and every creature. See, the mother is more concerned with her children. She's concerned with her children. The queen, her whole concern is her husband, the king. His wishes should be implemented, to make sure that it's implemented properly. 
the queen, the mother, however, her concern is on the children and those who receive, <laughs> to make sure that they could receive. So first you have in the analogy, you have this concentrated energy. Then you have this concentrated energy begins to be differentiated. But it's still too intense for the individual organs to receive. Then the next level, the next stage is just like the mother knows her children, makes sure to feed her children, every child, according to what they need. The next level is differentiating it to the extent that each organ could receive exactly what it's capable of receiving, and not more, and not less. So that's like a further differentiation, getting into very particular, into the details in particular, making sure that the unique energy that fits this individual organ should match up the organ with the energy. And then comes the fourth stage. And the light dwells and is clothed in them, in the worlds and their respective creatures, thereby animating them. Since it dwells, animates, and is enclosed in every world and creature, it is called Shechina, which is previously explained means indwelling. And the fourth level is when, when actually the rubber hits the road, when the actually, when the Shidduch is made, and actually the energy flows, and it perfectly fits the organ, and they become inseparable in one, and the, the brain comes alive, and it comprehends, and it imagines, and it's activated. You know, today you can tell, today you have machines, you can see when the brain lights up, the brain is thinking, the brain lights up. And the heart, the heart is feeling and is active. It's actually working and functioning and it's perfectly matched up and animates. Each individual organ is animated by each, each individual energy and ability, particular unique energy and ability from the soul, the ability of the soul to feel and the ability of the soul to comprehend, etc. This is Shechina, when actually the energy, the soul is manifest in the body in every organ in the body. This is the Shekhinah. So it starts out with the first level, the, man, the manifestation, the general manifestation, which is called the revelation. For the soul, it's a revelation. It's the beginning of the soul making contact and revealing itself on a conscious level. But even this revelation is too powerful, it's too intense, it's in a concentrated form, it's the whole, it's dynamic, it's too intense for the individual organs. Then you have the queen, the queen makes sure it begins to break it down and to bring it down to a level which in the world of consciousness, in the world of differentiation. And then you have the mother who makes sure to match every ability with every organ. And then you have when it actually is manifest, that's called Shekhinah. So this is an analogy of Hashem, what's true in our own personal experience is just in a marshal, a helpful analogy to understand Hashem. That when Hashem first manifests Himself, Hashem manifests Himself the level of Malchus, where Hashem reveals Himself. So the beginning of the revelation is when Hashem concentrates His energy in a concentrated form in His mind, so to speak. His will and wisdom in His Torah. And then from there, you have the Queen. The level of Queen is when it begins to implement, it begins to draw down this energy into more diffuse, into more particular levels. And then the mother is when it make, when the energy is perfectly matched up to the receptor, to the receiver. 
that the receiver should receive exactly what it needs, not more, not less, the energy that it can absorb, that it can handle, that it can receive. And when, and when it's actually done, and manifest, and revealed, and functioning, that's Shekhinah. That's called Shekhinah. When you sense, you feel the energy, you feel the vitality. That's what he calls Shekhinah. Until now, the Alter Rebbe has clarified how the light is the source of the worlds and creatures in general. He now goes on to explain how it's also the source of Jewish souls. Therefore, it is figuratively called Mother of the Children of Jewish Souls and is also called Community of Israel. For from this source, the souls of that source have emanated, these being emanations and not creations, and the souls of Berea have been created and so forth. Just like the organs, the analogy of the organs. The organs here, we're referring to all the creatures that are created, that God creates. They are like the organs. And Hashem is the soul. But in addition to all the creatures that are created, the organs here also refer to the Jewish souls. The souls are also created. And you have two different names. He uses, again, two different names for the Jewish Jewish, Jewish souls. The Shekhinah is called Em Habanim, the mother of the sons. And the Shekhinah is also called Knesset Yisrael, the gathering of the Jewish people. So he says the difference is, because those souls that are from the world of emanation, that are like children, like the soul of Rabbi Shimon Bayechoi, the author of the Zohar, the soul of Moshe, the souls of the world of emanation, the souls of the, of the Rebbe's, of the Baal So they are like children. They are souls of emanation. They are godly. Even in this world, they're still godly. Then you have the rest of us, 99.9% of the Jewish people, our souls are from the world of creation and, and lower, which is the beginning of creation, of separation. So although the source of the soul, the source of every soul comes from the Shina, comes from, is godly. But consciously, how do we feel consciously? We don't feel godly. We feel ego, we feel independent, we feel separate from Hashem. The souls of the children, the souls of the world of emanation, they feel inseparable from Hashem. They feel like a half, completely inseparable from Hashem. And to them, godliness is the most natural thing in the world. Like children. It's natural. For us, it's a novelty. Godliness is something we have to struggle with. We have to learn about it, we have to think about it, we have to struggle. It's not natural. Because there's a disconnection. Through great effort, we have to work on it. It's unnatural. But don't we have it as an inheritance? We do, but we don't sense it. Of course. The essence of every Jew is godly, but we don't sense that. In moments of truth, it's exposed when you put to the test. Push comes to shove. But on a daily, conscious basis, we don't sense it. That's why life is such a struggle to us. That's why it's such, a, it's, such a, it's such a challenge. Because we don't sense it. We feel disconnected. We feel it's unnatural to us. We have to struggle with it. We have to work very hard in it. It's a never-ending struggle to the last day of our life. Versus the tzaddik. It's, it's not all tzaddikim. He's talking about the special tzaddikim. Within the tzaddikim, the, the one or two in every generation, 
the complete tzaddik, the tzaddik of the, who has a soul of the world of Atsilas, called children, they're like a child, Hashem. They feel it's natural. Like a child loves his parents. It's the most natural thing in the world. We're all children, but we don't sense it. They sense it. To them, godliness is the most natural. Like the air they breathe. It's the most natural thing in the world. That's why he calls it two different names. So, Shechina, Hashem's manifestation and revelation, is the source of both of these souls. The souls who are called the children of Hashem, who even in this world retain that godly quality and are conscious of their godly quality. Versus the rest of us, which are called the gathering, the Knesset Yisrael, the gathering of the Jewish people. Because when are we able to sense our godliness? When we are gathered together. When Jews are united. You have a minion. When Jews get together, and Jews are united, then we activate, we can experience, we can sense the Shechina. Then the Shechina is present. We can sense the godliness. Individually, it's very difficult. The tzaddik is a child, but he all, even alone, he communes with God. He senses God. His whole being is God. God is manifest by him. He's revealed him. He senses him. Versus the rest of us, individually, it's very difficult for us. It's a struggle. It's a challenge. But when we're together, then we can reach that same level. <laughs> then we can have that godly blessing and that godly experience. And then... So that's Knesset Yisrael. So this is also the source. The Shekhinahs are not only the source of all created beings and entity, entities and angels, and, but the Shekhinah is also the source of the Neshamas Yisrael, the Jewish souls. These the last three chapters are very, very... Profound, very, pro- very profound chapters. Oh boy, <laughs> 51, 52, and 53. Oh boy. Well, this is Chabad Hasidus. He starts with Chabad and he ends with Chabad. <laughs> He's basically explaining why Chabad, Chachma Binadaz, the brain, this is the manifestation, this is the Shechina, this is where it's all concentrated. Um, I, I'm a little confused between our soul, where it's mi- mingling now with the Shechina. No, it's a parable. It's a parable. Our soul is a parable to the Shekhinah. Just like the relationship of the soul to the body and the manifestation of the soul in the body. So you have the essence of the soul which is not manifest. which remains completely elusive. But we have in, in us a, a soul. A soul. A soul. We don't have the Shekhinah. No, no, no. no. So no, a soul. But from the soul and the way the soul relates to the body and the soul gives life to the body you can understand. It's a good parable. From this you can understand that the same is true with Hashem, who is the soul of the world. So you have the essence of Hashem, which remains completely elusive, but Hashem is everywhere, and there's no up and there's no down, there's no higher, there's no lower. Hashem is everywhere, the essence of Hashem. Then you have when Hashem makes manifest Himself. Just like within the soul. The part that's manifest is the most external part of the soul. They drive the organs. Yeah, the, the, the subconscious is completely not manifest. We don't, we don't, we don't even know, it, we all barely know it even exists. And then even, even have higher levels of, than that. But the soul that manifests, the consciousness. So it begins, the beginning of consciousness begins in the brain, which senses the whole. 
where all the faculties and all that that we are conscious of is all concentrated as one. It's not separate, apart, components, pieces. It's not a machine. It's, it's alive. It's alive. It's general. It's a whole dynamic, indivisible self. It's alive. An entity of vitality of life. That's how the brain senses it. And that's why the brain is the, is the nerve center, command and control center, and, the, and, the, and grand central station of the whole body. Because it senses the whole. But that's the beginning of the manifestation of the soul. The essence of the manifestation of the soul. And then from there flows a glimmer, a ray, into each flows the energy into each individual organ that's perfectly fit for that organ. The brain, the ability to comprehend and to imagine and to think. Every organ. That's what, that's what he's bringing out here in these three chapters. A person is not a machine. A person is one dynamic entity. One whole the different levels of the revelation of uh, different levels when the soul manifests itself when the soul reveals itself at a conscious level so even then first you have the essence of vitality it's alive it's vital all of it concentrated as one and that's the beginning of consciousness and then from there flows the individual energy that each organ feels that fills every organ that each organ comes alive and each organ feels the brain feels you feel you have the ability to imagine you're thinking with your brain your brain hurts if you think too much you know you, you, you can feel it your heart feels your heart is pumping you can feel the emotion you can, it fills every organ individually so these are different levels of the manifestation of the soul of the revealed part of the soul we're not talking about the essence of the soul the essence of the soul is beyond there's so many it's like the, o- the ocean covers the world. The part of the world that's revealed is only 5% of the world. There's so much hidden and beyond. We're not discussing that. We're discussing the part that is revealed. So there's di- different levels. And that's the beginning of the revelation. That's, that's, called the, that's the beginning of the Shekhinah, the, the revelation of Hashem. Hashem reveals itself. Where does Hashem reveal himself first? In his brain. What's Hashem's brain? It's Torah Mitzvah. That's his brain. That's where the vitality of the whole world is concentrated. The vitality of everything that exists is concentrated in the Torah. That's the power of the Torah. When you study Torah, you are in the control tower. You are controlling the whole world. Why do you think all the great rabbis were able to make miracles and to turn the world upside down? Because they are, they are in the driver's seat. They are in the control center of the whole world. When you are a master of Torah... When you master Hashem's Torah, you're a master of the whole world, the whole universe, is because all the energy and all the individual entity and life force within everything that exists comes from that concentrated energy in the brain, comes from the Torah, which is Hashem's manifest, Hashem's brain, Hashem's so will and wisdom. The Torah is, in essence, spiritual. The Torah is not, we read it as words, but it's not, but... The explanations and the, and the mitzvahs in the Torah are spiritual. You're, you're in the spiritual world, coming from a spiritual world. It's not the way we see it as black and white and words and meanings. Right. Absolutely. Torah is and very, very... Uh, it's a physical manifestation of Hashem in this right. world. But it's also very right. low part of, with regard to as, as he's so great and infinite, it's, it's, it's a very limited... But he meant for us to understand it. Absolutely. It's his, way to, it's his way to mind meld with us. Because you said it yourself. Hashem is manifesting himself. He manifests himself 
And that's why we're going to learn later in the chapter. You have different levels of worlds. You have different levels of Torah. The way Hashem manifests Himself in the world of Talmud. The way Hashem manifests Himself in the world of, of Mishnaya. The way Hashem manifests Himself in the world of, of, the, the, of the Bible, of the five books of Moses. So it's different manifestations. But it's really all it's Hashem. But we'll never be on the level of Sadak that... I don't know how to put this, but understands it spiritually. Understands the spiritual nature of, of the Torah. We, we will never... When Mashiach will come, we will. We, we get a glimpse now. We study Tanya, we study Hasidus. We're getting a glimpse of the inner dynamics of the Torah. Just I, like, don't, I don't think 120 years is long enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank God. We'll live to 180. <laughs> you know what he's doing? He's taking the Torah out of... Context. Jerusalem, Borough Park, Williamsburg, and this is helping you realize the Torah runs the whole world. <laughs> Don't lock up the Torah and make the Torah something irrelevant to life and something isolated from reality. Torah runs Washington, Torah runs New York, Torah runs Wall Street, Torah runs everything. Everything is Torah. There's nothing with Torah. You have to take the Torah and bring it into real life. Because everything in life comes from the Torah. Your business comes from Torah. How you do business, where are you going to learn? Everything is in Torah. Your marriage, your relationship, everything is in Torah. There's no, nothing, there can't be anything in this world, just like there's no part of the organism, of the human body that's not connected to the brain. There's no part of life. There's nothing in life. Everything, ultimately, is connected to Torah. You want to understand literature, you want to understand art, you want to understand music, anything in life, ultimately. You really want to understand it. You have to go to the Torah. Torah is the brain. Torah is the manifestation, the concentration of Hashem's vitality and energy for everything that exists. It's a whole different understanding of Torah. This alone is, is a revelation of that spiritual part of Torah. Torah is the, this is the control power of everything that exists, of existence itself. This is where Hashem manifests Himself and reveals Himself. And from the Torah, we draw down the life and the vitality for everything that exists and all exists. Every entity, every detail, all comes from the Torah. At first, it comes in a concentrated form. That's the Torah. So that's the power of the Torah. You have to realize the power of the Torah and how the whole world is concentrated in the Torah. You're not just learning a piece of Talmud and what relevance does it have to my life, what relevance does it have to the world. The whole world is concentrated in this piece of Talmud. All of reality. You want to understand politics, you want to understand business, you want to understand everything. Medicine, it's all in the Torah. It's a whole different perspective. That's Chabad. Why the Alter Rebbe made such an emphasis on Chabad, Chachmah, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, Torah, because this is where this is the this is where it's all concentrated. This is where Hashem manifests. You can't be a Jew unless you understand the proper place of Torah. But most Jews. Don't, never even heard of Hasidus. When I say most Jews, I mean they, they, well, that, that's the Judaism what, without Hasidus is really. Uh, well, that's well trying to uh, trying to do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I saying it correctly? Is it, uh, so ho- hopefully, hopefully soon we'll get to chapter fifty-one and fifty-two and fifty-three. It's like I remember when I was in the Woodward Shul and one of. I was studying Hasidus, and one of the rabbis that was there, he's telling me, 
He says, ah, oh, there's so much Mishnah for you to learn and so much Gemara for you to learn. And, and so I said to him, I said, but you don't understand. That's good for you. I says, you, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Hasidus. Okay? I would have been, frankly, it would have been something that was not something that, that was something palatable for me to, to entertain, to, to be involved with. And, you know, I said to him, I said, you, you're just not getting it. Very well said. For someone who's not exposed to Hasidus, it could be very dry. He doesn't understand yeah, what's, what's the relevance here. If you learn Torah, and Torah has no relevance to your life. A person's not a robot. I wonder why Jews couldn't run away fast enough. Because so there's no relevance here. The Torah is like, okay, I'm learning Mishnah, I'm learning Gemara. What does it have to do with my life? Nothing. What does it mean? Nothing. But just learn, learn. You can have a share in the world to come. I mean, it's so immature. It's so, so childish. Why, are, why aren't other Hasidim, why don't they know this? Why aren't they spreading? Why do they lock themselves in? And, uh... Because you have to learn. Tanya. If you learn Tanya, if you have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, if you have learning, if you have Torah, if you have more should learn Tanya. Everyone has to learn Tanya. <laughs> it's not a luxury. Today is not a luxury. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.